Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to Parenthood episode 130. We are back to a bit of a normal week this week. So welcome. I know some of you have missed um, me not having the kind of normal Friday Parenthood episodes, but welcome back. Um, Okay, today I want to look at what are the keys or what is the key to really good life management with kids. And I want to start by reading something that probably is going to trigger you because you're going to wonder, does this person even exist? So let me just read this from one of my parenting books. Okay. Meet Sandra. She is not frazzled or fatigued and faces family dinner time with creative enthusiasm. Baby Gregory is already sleeping through the night and taking naps like clockwork. As it is most days, two-year-old Katie plays contently with her dollhouse on a blanket in the family room, while four-year-old Ben is trustworthy enough to play by himself in his room. If you drop in unexpectedly, you'll find the house picked up and Sandra will welcome you with a calm, warm smile. Okay, are we still on planet Earth? Is this possible? And I want to tell you, it is possible when I read, and I did not make that up. I actually did read that from a parenting book. But when I read that, I'm like, that it was pretty much my house. Like I had Ashton was a baby. I had um, Liam was, when Ashton was a baby, Liam was two, two and a half, three, and Georgia was four. And my house was pretty calm, um, you know, most of the time. So I want to talk about this whole concept of, you know, does a calm household really exist uh, when you have kids? Is it possible to have kids, and I'm talking any age kids, from little right through to older without complete chaos? And the answer is yes. Um, Now, maybe you're someone who likes chaos. Is there anyone like that out there? Please let me know. I'd like to meet you. (laughs) I personally don't like chaos, but if you are someone that doesn't mind chaos, You might want to skip this episode, but before you do, just let me ask you this. Are your kids thriving in the chaos? Are they good eaters? Are they good sleepers? Are they well behaved? Are they a pleasure to take out to cafes and to other people's places? And maybe ask other people. It's always a good thing to do if other people think that. Um, But personally, I haven't seen, and this is me talking as a mum and a teacher, I haven't seen a chaotic home or chaotic parenting really resulting in well-adjusted or well-behaved kids. Um, My experience is that parents who love the chaos don't seem to have self-awareness of the effect that this actually has on their kids. Now, I'm not talking about, when I say chaos, I'm not saying don't have fun, don't be spontaneous, you know, don't go and do crazy fun things just out of the blue with your kid. I'm not saying that, okay? But we've got two choices in life. We can either let life dictate to us and our kids dictate to us, or 
we can be the ones in control. We can manage our lives and um, we can be the ones in charge of our kids instead of the other way around. I personally just cannot cope with chaos. I can't cope with my life being overran, you know, and um, especially I think because when my kids were younger, we always had fairly small homes or we only had homes with one lounge room. And we had people over a lot because being pastors, um, we had people coming over for leadership meetings and people would come over, you know, for coffee. And I just didn't want to have to always have people stepping through a minefield of, you know, kids stuff everywhere. And so I guess that kind of forced me to, um, to lead our life and have our house in such a way that was not chaotic chaotic. I knew that if my kids were out of control also at home, that they would be out of control outside the home. And I, when I say I, Karen and I did not want to raise kids that thought that the whole world revolved around them. So this mum, Sandra, that you just met, she uh, is clearly not letting life manage her. She is managing life. So she's not parenting. Clearly, she's not parenting randomly. She's got one older son playing quietly in his bedroom, another one playing, you know, uh, with her dollhouse. And then obviously she's tending to the baby. You know, we can set our lives up in such a way that we don't have to endure the kids. We can actually enjoy them. I don't know how many times I go through the shopping center and I see mums and I really feel for them because they're, you know, often going off their nut at their kids. I saw one the other day on my way into Westfield and she had three children, three boys, and the middle one must have fallen over and hurt himself. And from my car, I could hear her shouting at the top of her voice. And, you know, she clearly was frazzled. And the older boy was standing there. I literally almost had a tear in my eye. The older boy was standing there mortified and so embarrassed that his mom was shouting. And a part of me, I was torn between wanting to go over and help. And I, and I just, I don't know, I just assessed the situation. I felt like she wouldn't appreciate it. And so instead I chose to not embarrass the boy because I, I knew he was like looking at me like, oh, I hope this lady's not, you know, not, uh, he just was embarrassed that I was seeing it. But you know, I do feel sorry for people when I see that. And I think, you know what, we want to be able to, and we all have moments. I know we all have moments where we get really frustrated, but there's so much that we we can do just to bring order and calmness into our homes and to be in a place where we love having our kids around and we love taking our kids to other places as well. So I want to talk about the main key to good life management, it is found in structure and routine. But just bear with me because you might say, oh my gosh, I don't really, I'm not someone that loves structure or I'm not very good at routine. But this is why I want to talk firstly about the benefits of it. Um, and then I'm going to move into how to bring structure and routine into your day. Um, now, if you are not a person who's naturally structured, you might find this a little more challenging, but it's really worth it if you A, understand why, but B, understand that you can still be someone that, you know, you might not be a highly structured person, but you can still bring a loose kind of structure into your day enough that you still feel like you're being true to yourself, but you're bringing in some sort of structure, which is going to be of great benefit to you and to your kids. So, Let's look at why we should have structure and routine. So young children in particular, and even babies, and I've talked about this before, they not only need it, but they actually crave it. 
they crave supervision they crave direction, they crave routine. It makes them feel secure and safe. Children don't know what's best for them. They, they don't. If children had their way, they would probably eat whenever they wanted. They probably wouldn't sleep. Um, they would be doing, you know, if they, if, if they could, they'd probably be eating junk most of the time. They don't know what's good for them. And so that's what our job is to help them and to set some structure and routine into their day because we do know what's best. They need us to supervise their day because otherwise they would just be led from activity to activity, doing what they want to do, not what is best for them to do. Now, by supervision, I don't mean the TV or the iPad. It is you. You are the supervision, okay? And the best way to provide supervision is to structure your child's day. Now, kids who do not have routine and structure often develop behavioral problems. So tantrums, demanding, disregarding rules, whinging, whining, trouble playing with other kids, um, you know, missing out on learning opportunities, not being able to stick at anything. These are all the things that happen to children who don't have structure and routine of some sort in their day. But those who do are more secure. They're well-rested. They're not bored. It teaches them organization skills, it teaches them time management skills, and it optimizes their learning experiences. There are so much benefit to children having structure. It gets them ready for school because school is very structured and routine, and so is kindy. Um, And it just creates a far less stressful environment, which is good for everyone. It's good for the kids. It's good for you. It's good for your marriage. It's good for your extended family. It's good for your friends. It's good for everybody. Um, It creates calm children. It creates a calm mom. And you know, if you're calm, then the whole household is better. Um, I'm even talking about things like kids eating at proper intervals and resting properly, which I'll go into in just a moment. But I'm a huge advocate for orderly days because that creates orderly, well-behaved children and a peaceful home. And that doesn't mean that you can't have spontaneity. It doesn't mean you can't have fun and noise. I'm not talking about being quiet. I'm talking about having structure and routine. It provides safety I guess you can think of a routine like a boundary or a fence. It actually protects our children and us, not only physically, but emotionally. It's actually us being proactive because routine helps to stop trouble before it begins. And I have talked about that before. Sometimes, you know, kids muck up because they're bored or they muck up because they're tired or they muck up because they're hungry. Um, And so having some sort of structure each day that's kind of pretty predictable just kind of helps us to solve those issues before they begin. So it's far better for a child emotionally, you know, when they're not always getting into trouble because, um, you know, we have put boundaries up already. Okay, let me give you an example, even as a teacher on why structure and routine is good. I 
you know, obviously through my 20 years of experience in the classroom, I clearly know the difference between the classrooms where there's routine and structure and those where there's chaos. And believe me, classrooms where teachers have control and structure and routines are also the ones where there's end, um, where everyone, the teacher and the children, end up having more fun and more learning gets done. And I also guarantee you that parents do not want their kids in the teacher's class that's got no routine and full chaos. Parents always want their kids in the class that they consider to be the better class, which is the one with routine and structure. No principal appreciates walking into a chaotic classroom unless, by the way, there's actually structure to the chaos, if that makes sense. Like there's a bit of a thing amongst teachers where you know, it might be an art lesson. And so there might be craft everywhere and, you know, painting might be going on. So it might look chaotic, but there's still structure there. Like I used to have the best, art was always my job on a Friday. I used to have the best art lessons and I was so structured with them. Like I would set all of the craft activities out in stations and children would go in small groups or two by twos to go and collect what they needed. And I just had so much structure behind what looked, might've looked on the outside like chaos, but it wasn't, it was full blown structured. I call it structured chaos. Um, And the kids adored it. We would put music on and it just made for a wonderful experience. So if we need that in the classroom, if that is true of learning experiences in the classroom, then it's also true at home as well. Um, You know, everyone knows that an out of control classroom means behavioral problems, less learning, uh, less less security for the children. I know one of my kids was taught by a teacher who just had no behavioral control whatsoever over her class and it was completely chaotic. He he couldn't stand it. He actually hated that entire year. Okay, so that's kind of why we should have routine and structure. It is better for everyone and I will, I will like I will argue anyone under the table with that because I've also seen the result of children that come to my classroom Uh, where I know that parents at home and uh, with their parenting are chaotic and those children struggle a lot more. All right, so what does a routine look like? Okay, I'm going to make this really simple. Now, it depends on your child's age, but this routine can be adapted no matter how old your child is, even if they're a baby. Um, It just means that sleeping times would be of different length um, activity times would be of different length, but let me just adjust, uh, address babies just quickly. Cause I've done a little bit on babies. Uh, I've talked a little bit before about the routine, which is that feed, wake, sleep. Um, so it's that predictable routine of, um, you know, they giving them a feed, giving them some wake and play time followed by sleep. Um, they do need naps. It's not good for a baby just to sleep at night. They need day naps and they need to be taught how to have day naps as part of a routine, okay? And I haven't done day naps yet, so I'll talk about that later. So a baby's routine when they're very little is kind of more that feed, wake, sleep pattern, okay? But let's look at beyond babies. And if you've got a baby, by the way, you you can still divide your day up like I'm about to talk about. So beyond that... um, Basically, what you can do is divide your day into its three natural parts of morning, afternoon, and night, okay? And within each of these, 
morning, afternoon, and night. There's going to be meal times and depending on the age of your child, sleep times. Okay. Can I just say here, meal times should actually be a structured part of your day. I know some families where I go to their house and the kids are literally allowed to go into the pantry and grab anything out of the pantry whenever they want. My children were never allowed to do that. They had to ask to go to the pantry and ask to go to the fridge, but they actually very rarely even did that because I structured meal times into their day. Obviously, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I also structured morning tea and afternoon tea. And so it put them into a good, um, it put their body into a good clock, a good, um, I can't think of the word for it, but a good, you know, internal body clock on when they should eat and when they shouldn't rather than just snacking all day long. Um, So I had, yeah, times for morning and afternoon tea. Now, the other thing I want you to do before we go into talking about morning, afternoon and night is just take into consideration all the things that you need to get done in a week. You know, shopping, housework. I mean, obviously you might be working as well, you know, getting your hair done, swimming lessons, whatever it is. All right. So let's start with, let's start with morning. All right. So how did I roughly structure my day? So morning, obviously breakfast, uh, we would make our beds. My kids would help make their their beds from a very young age, even if, even if they were just like helping me kind of pat things straight. Um, and then obviously they would get dressed and put their pajamas away. And then we would use, um, after brekkie and putting, you know, all of our stuff away and being dressed, um, I would use the morning to do my going out activities. So whatever that is for you, for me, it was always coffee, always coffee, play dates, um, might be the gym for you, shopping, going and visiting someone, visiting grandparents, whatever, anything where I was happy to have the kids with me. In fact, I used to struggle to have the whole day at home. I'd get bored. So if I went out, it was in the morning. If I didn't go out, then the kids would have playtime. Now, depending on their age as to how long each activity went, but can I just say here, teach them to focus on one thing at a time. I didn't just put them in a playroom and dump out every single toy that they had, and I will podcast on this. But one thing I did is I had all their different toys in different boxes, and I would only pull out one box at a time, and um, and that box had to be picked uh, packed up before I would put the new box bring the new box out. And I would teach my kids that we would pack up together. Um, So, and then we would have morning tea and then I would, it's lunchtime. Okay. So I would try and be home if I was out by lunchtime. So that literally is the morning done. Okay. Very simple. All right. So afternoon, I pretty much tried to be home for afternoons always because no matter how old they were or how young they were, unless they're at school, I always had a nap time included in the afternoon. Okay. So afternoon, how did I structure that? I, like I said, I always would try and be home. We'd have lunch together. By the way, I would have lunch with them. Um, I would sit them in the high chair or at the table and we would kind of chat together. I am also going to podcast, by the way, on how children should eat. And I'm mortified when I go to people's houses or I sit at cafes and there's more food on the floor than the table. I just think that's unacceptable. My kids never did that. Um, So that's another podcast. But um, we would eat together. Then depending on how old they are and how much sleep they needed, um, often after lunch, we would usually read a book and then it would be nap time. Okay. And while they napped, 
that was my time to either do housework or when my kids were little, I loved Dr. Phil. So I would have a coffee and I would go sit down and watch Dr. Phil. Um, But regardless, my kids always went to bed because children need their sleep. And so many mums I hear say, oh, my kids won't sleep in the afternoon. That's because you have trained them not to sleep. Um, Even when they go to kindy, guys, even at the age of four, they will lay your kids down for an afternoon sleep. And even if they don't sleep, they will expect them to lay there. So even if your child doesn't sleep in the afternoon, they often will drop that nap about the age of three, three and a half. If they do, still teach them to go lay on their bed with either a book or a quiet toy for an hour. Okay, it is such a good habit to teach them. All right, then nap time would finish and that would be maybe around three o'clock or so. We would have some afternoon tea and then it was more playtime. But I used to use this time to spend time with my kids. So I would do um, I would play with them for a little while. Um, This was a really good way for me to spend time with my older one. If I had a baby Um, when Georgia went to school, I would do a little playtime with Liam. So he didn't feel left out because by then I had Ashton. So I always would play with my kids in the afternoon and like really simple stuff. Our favorites were like puzzles or coloring in or books or Play-Doh or painting if I was really game. And then after that, they would pretty much have their own playtime. They could just do whatever they want. And then that leads us to nighttime. So, so far we've had a lovely, calm day. Um, And by the way, that doesn't mean my kids were always quiet. I mean, sometimes they'd go outdoors and they'd scream the place down, but you know what I'm saying. All right, nighttime. Now I have done this before. I've done a podcast on nighttime routine. So go back, listen to that. But just in general, um, I would try and start dinner early depending on how organized I was, but I'll kind of start early, like maybe like, I don't know, five o'clock while the kids were playing. And then when Cameron would come home, I was so relieved because it was his turn to watch the kids so I could get dinner done. And he usually would hype them up. He usually would wrestle and do all sorts of stuff with them. Um, And then they would have bath time. I usually did bath time before dinner. And then uh, we would have dinner and then they would have just between dinner and bed was just quiet play. And then I'd always do a story and then bedtime. So like I said, if you want more detail on that, you can go back and listen to my podcast on that. So there you go. That's kind of how I would split my day up. So literally in my brain, my day would be morning, afternoon and night. And I would always do similar activities I would keep certain activities for the morning, certain activities for the afternoon, and then obviously there was nighttime. Um, I always tried to go out in the morning, um, but I would always stay home in the afternoon. If we had a busy weekend, I would try and have Mondays all day at home um, just to help the kids get back into routine. Now, you might have listened to this and you might be going, oh dear Lord, I'm not that organized (laughs) and I'm not that structured. But can I just say, that's okay. You do what suits you and what reflects you, but still try and see your day as those three parts and just try and have certain things that belong to the morning, certain things that belong to the afternoon, and then some sort of night routine. I promise you, if you do that, you are going to enjoy your kids so much more. Your kids are going to be so much better behaved. Your kids are going to enjoy being home. They're going to enjoy being with you so much more. Um, I I promise you there's just so much benefit. 
the kids will really thrive on some sort of predictability. Now you can still be super spontaneous, but decide, okay, well, when, I, when I'm spontaneous, I'm going to do it in the mornings and then I'm going to be home by the afternoons. Um, because I can tell you now, if you keep your kids out all day, every day, it will exhaust them and you will wonder why you've got cranky kids on your hands. So let's just finish off where we began. Remember we met Sandra. Um, remember she is not frazzled or fatigued. She faces family dinner time with creative enthusiasm. I'm not sure about that bit. Do you guys like cooking? I never really liked cooking. I must say I do not face dinner with creative enthusiasm. I face it with a chore that must be done. Um, however, the rest of it's pretty reflective of how, how, like I said, my house was baby sleeping through the night, napping like clockwork, two-year-old Katie playing contentedly with her dollhouse, four-year-old Ben trustworthy enough to play by himself in his room. And if you dropped in unexpectedly, you will find the house picked up and Sandra will welcome you with a calm, warm smile. Guys, we are on planet Earth. That is possible. If you have some ideas around what you do morning, afternoon, night, come talk to me. I've had so many. It turns out I think parenting is almost becoming more popular than the Wednesdays. Um, I've got so many people that have been coming in and saying how much they're enjoying Fridays. I appreciate that, guys, from the bottom of my heart, because this does take a lot of work doing two podcasts a week, but I love it. And um, the fact that you love it just makes it all that much more worthwhile. So thank you for joining me. Um, and I look forward to being back with you. I'm going to hit up Halloween. Oh, I think I'm going to do it Wednesday and Friday because it turns out, yikes, pray for me. It's so controversial. You guys have all got really split ideas on Halloween and everyone's like, I want to hear what you've got to say. I'm a bit nervous about saying it. <laughs> so anyway, pray for me as I prepare for the Halloween week. Anyway, guys, I love you all and um, I'll be back with you next week. Bye.